Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm Corbin Maxey. Thank you, every single one of you around the world, for taking the time to listen to the show. It means the world to me. It's awesome to connect with you fellow like-minded animal people. I seriously appreciate it. On today's show, we have a bonus episode, and I honestly went back and forth on whether or not I should release this or not, but the interview was so good. The discussion was so fascinating. I thought, you know what? I just have to release this to, to you, to the main audience, to you, the listeners. If you aren't aware, after every interview of the Animals to the Max podcast, I do an after show. And that is basically an after show interview that I release to Patreons only. Patrons are great. Uh, By the way, if you want to join the Patreon page, I encourage you to do that. Just head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max. And I, we do these after shows and I recently had an after show with our episode 180 with the gorilla keeper, Rachel, and she was actually a former trainer at SeaWorld and has worked with killer whales and, you know, has kind of been on the front line there. And she actually joined the team right after Blackfish, the documentary kind of, um, the attack SeaWorld came out. So she was right in the crossfires of what was going on. And we talk about this in the after show. I ask her about Blackfish, her thoughts on the killer whales at SeaWorld, her thoughts on keeping whales and dolphins in captivity. It's kind of controversial. And once again, this was for our Patreons only, but ah, the discussion was so good. I thought, you know what? We should just release this for the main audience. Now, I hope that this gives you an incentive after listening to this episode, exclusive bonus episode. I hope this gives you an incentive to join the Patreon page for Animals to the Max. Patreon is a way to support the show. If you find value in the show, as you know, this is a, well, maybe you don't know, this is a complete labor of love. You know, honestly, the Patreon memberships, they go back to support the show. They help with web hosting fees. They help with new equipment. They help with everything. It just shows a little appreciation. So I hope after listening to this, you find value and you think, you know what, maybe I should join the Patreon page for more exclusive interviews because we have tons of other interviews with the guests that are only access and only available to patrons. So I'm not going to do this very often. Matter of fact, this might be the only time I ever release a Patreon only interview. But once again, I feel like this is pretty darn good. So, and by the way, I'm not saying the other Patreon episodes aren't good. They are fantastic. I'm just saying this is, I find that this is a, there's a lot of value in this and I think it might fascinate some of you. And I'm hoping by, by releasing this Patreon only that you will join us um, for the Patreon after show. So anyway, once again, if you want to help support the show, just head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max. With that said, here is our exclusive bonus after show interview with Rachel Hale. Now, remember, if you have not heard Rachel's interview, go ahead and take a listen to that. That's episode 180 titled the gorilla keeper. But once you listen to that, here it is. Check it out. Here's the after show. So I was going to say, I want to talk to you because when I went to your handle, you have a whole tab about blackfish and Mm -hmm. I know you worked with marine mammals and man, what a can of worms that is. So, oh yeah, I'm totally game to talk about it. I'm a, I'm ready. Go ahead. Yeah. Spiel. Go ahead. Sorry. Back on recording. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Let's actually, I'll do it one more time. Okay. 
Yeah, okay. <clears throat> Perfect. Okay. Welcome to the after show. I'm so happy to have you back, Rachel. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thanks for keeping me around. God, that sounded so hosty. Welcome back, like after a commercial. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, I just want to say thank you so much. I felt like I could have talked to you for hours about your experiences, by the way. I just find your line of work very fascinating. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love talking about it. So. Yeah, and you have a great personality. But I was just going to say, I, I went to your Instagram and you have a tab on Blackfish. And I know you mentioned you worked with marine mammals and what a can of worms that is. <laughs> a can of worms it is indeed. So yeah, I used to work with marine mammals. I worked at three different facilities. I worked with four species of dolphin, seals, sea lions, turtles, manatees. Um, I got to delve into a lot of different research programs, shark research, uh, dolphin research, um, manatee research. I did stranding, so that's going to be at all three facilities, so that's going to be the rescue and rehabilitation of anything that comes on shore, which you want to talk about a lot of funny stories. One time I responded to a couch. So... <laughs> Did someone seriously think it was a beached whale or a sea lion and it was a couch? Oh my gosh, Corbin. No, it was so it was in the mangroves. And I, I live in Florida. And so, you know, the joke goes, we got the Florida man and we got a lot of old people down here. And bless her soul, this old lady called in a manatee and her calf stuck in the mangroves. And so this was in the hot of or the heat of summer. We're getting four to five turtle calls a day. And we're like, manatee, we got to prioritize this manatee because she swore it was still alive. And so we go up there and uh, it's like a 40 minute drive away. And she's like, here it is. And so I'm not sure how familiar you are with mangroves, but they kind of serve as a barrier between any, you know, any ocean and like a seawall or a mm -hmm. land area. And it helps preserve erosion, but you do get water that laps in and laps out. And so we look down over the seawall and there's a floral couch and it's couch cushion floating about five feet away. It is <laughs> I love that the couch cushion was probably the calf. That's the best <laughs> part of this story. <laughs> and it's floral, like Florida floral print. And I have nothing against Florida floral print, but it's like Florida floral print. What manatee has flowers in it? <laughs> and it's like just bobbing in the surf. And we're like, ma'am, ma'am, that's a couch. And she's like, no, no, I heard it. Take a breath. It's a manatee. <laughs> I heard it. Take a breath. And the calf is there too. That is hilarious. And so, and she, you know, she had no idea what was going on. And it's one of those things where we're like, what do we do? We don't want to be mean. We have our professional shirts on. We don't yeah. want to discredit her, but we're not wasting our time pulling this couch off the seawall, then what are we going to do with this couch? We got turtles to take care of. So anything from couches to, you know, pygmy killer whales, I've, I've rescued it all. But, uh, so yeah, I've worked in a lot of different aspects with marine mammals in terms of training behavior, research care, and also that stranding aspect, which, you know, at the end of the day is really the basis that's, that's using that information that we learn in zoos and aquariums and applying it to a real world scenario where we can help them out. So yeah, I was, so was it hard that, so when did you start working? Because Blackfish came out in 2013 and that's really when um, fire took and I mean, SeaWorld went through a horrible PR nightmare and they still are trying to recover from it. Um, when did you start working with marine mammals? Was it during that time? 
2014, so right after the cusp of it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, 2013, I was finishing up college, and I remember watching the film. The first time I watched it, I just wanted to have a gut reaction to it, watch it, uh -huh. see what it was, and this is before I even got in the field, so I was still naive to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> we... I watch it and, you know, I cried. I got emotional. I don't even cry that much, but I'm telling you about it. It sounds like you cry all the time. Every day you're just like crying. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, it was it was an emotional film and that was the purpose of it. It was emotional propaganda. And then I found the P – have you heard of the Blackfish PDF online? No. So there's actually – if you Google search Blackfish PDF – uh -huh. Um, they minute by minute, second by second outlined every single inaccuracy and lie that was told in the film. It's dozens of pages long, but oh, it really wow. goes through everything that's wrong with the film. And so I waited a few days and watched the movie alongside the PDF. And I was just like, wow, this is misleading to say the least. Uh -oh. Yeah. Do you hear my dog too? Yeah. It's my <laughs> wife coming home. I, it's okay. Our dogs make cameos. It's fine. We'll just go through it. Perfect. <laughs> the um, so yeah, so then I watched and I listened to it with every inaccuracy and then that next year is when I got into the field and marine mammals and everything and you know, that's when not only was I able to see the things firsthand but meet meet the people. One of my old bosses was in the film oh. and I've talked to them like how what was how did this happen? And you know, they were they were interviewed under a completely different notion and when you take someone's voice clips and piece them together over misleading evidence, you can make anyone sound like they're saying anything, but that's not necessarily true. He was still my boss. He wouldn't have been my boss if he really believed Blackfish. So um you know, there's there's a lot of inaccuracies in it and you know, we can delve into any topic that you want because I, I love talking about it because, you know, if we can't sit here and support what we do, then who can? And I feel very confident in what we do in this field. And the one thing that I always tell everyone, um, whether it's the great apes or any zoo animal you're with or the marine mammals, is all of us are here because we care. We wouldn't be taking these jobs, losing our nights, weekends, holidays with friends and family just to see animals in an environment that they're not thriving in. You know, we literally dedicate our lives and hearts to this. And I tell everyone, um, you know, so my degree is in biomedical engineering. And in 2014, when I uh, moved to Florida and got into this whole industry, the same week that I was offered my first unpaid internship at the aquarium, working 50 hours a week, unpaid, I was offered a six-figure biomedical and engineering job with yeah. a $20,000 sign-on bonus, and turning that down was the best decision of my life. And so, you know, people always say, you know, do you really need a degree or anything to be in zoo? And I'm like, you, you do, and we're not here because it's the money. You know, we get paid pennies compared to other careers, and I wouldn't be here for one day if I thought that the animals were mistreated in any way, shape, or form because I'd be making – immense amount of money elsewhere and doing other things. So, um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of inaccuracies in it. Um, you know, really the whole film, if you look at the purpose behind the film, those people aren't doing anything for animal welfare. They don't know how to rescue a dolphin. They don't know. They haven't spent 24 seven hand raising a baby dolphin. Like I have to see that animal 
you know, now thriving. They haven't been on the boats to see the stuff that fishermen do to, um, you know, that ultimately lead to the deaths of a lot of these animals. They're not fighting the real fight like we are out here. Um, and it's just unfortunate because the people that watch Blackfish are the people that are watching it for the right reasons. They're like you and me. They care about animals. You know, their intent is the same one that we have. They're just misguided with where to put their intent and emotions. So, Yeah, and I feel this huge... Oh, especially for me, um, this huge, uh, anti-zoo, anti-captivity. I've, um, my, uh, my recently, my TikTok videos of my alligators have gone viral, um, which is just amazing. And it's been this, it's, I've, it, it, it's just, it's been this dream come true, but also what comes with millions of people seeing your videos is a bunch of negative backlash and every day I am constantly responding to people who are accusing me of you know being cruel to the alligators or accusing their space of being too small or how sad this is or I'm exploiting them or I'm and I get so fired up over those people and I think I've calmed down a little bit because now it's just like white noise because I get it every day and mind you I get people who are like you know, oh, your work's amazing and thank you for rescuing them because they're both rescue. But mm. I, we live in this, I feel like Gen Z, this new generation, I feel like this younger generation is very like anti-captivity, anti-zoo. Why is this not in the wild? Have you seen that too? Yeah. And I think a lot of it is coming just from, you know, whether it's Blackfish or other films that are similar to it, people want to be connected to a cause and the people that oh. grew up in our day and age, we were connected to that cause when we visited a zoo or aquarium. Uh -huh. But now instead of actually taking that physical effort to be connected to the cause, they can do it from their couch. Right. Yeah. And their intent, like I, you know, and I, I truly do believe most people do what they do with a good intent with regardless of what mm -hmm. it is, but mm -hmm. it's just misguided and they don't understand what it takes, like, that's the other thing, too. People don't understand what it, the effort, the money, and the time it takes to take care of even one alligator. It's not just like, you know, a pet beta fish that sits there and you feed it <laughs> once a week. <laughs> this is, an, it's an alligator. And so, um, you know, whatever the animal is, it's, it's just that misguided intent. And it's kind of trying to go back. And I've been frustrated, you know, like you so many times before, but go back to those conversations and see them as a human that's just, trying to figure out what to do with their care for animals and yeah and and i look at that too i i, I looked at that too to try to look at like i think this person's coming with good intent and they are trying to and people don't see the full picture which i think is a problem and then you get people who are downright nasty who you just aren't going to be able to to it's try to reason with and i feel like it's not even worth time they're not gonna i mean i have had people though say nasty things and i always try to respond because I want there to be accurate information and I've had people respond back and say, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for explaining this. Like, thank you. Now I understand. Um, but it's just a lot. It, it's, it's just crazy. And I'm sure you got that too, working with the gorillas. I'm sure you have people all the time accusing you of like, I, I don't know. I'm sure it happened to you a lot. Yeah. I mean, it happens with every animal. We well, every, have every animal. Yeah. Yeah. My, my favorite story was one time I had a guest, um, I was out on the sidewalk, just finished a presentation. So I was stopping to talk to guests and see if anyone had questions. And someone's like, that one looks so sad. I'm so, I'm so upset for him. This is so sad. And I was like, well, what makes you think that? I don't know. Just look at his face. And I was like, actually, 
I work with this animal all day, every day. He just laughed at the three-year-old that's running around. I could tell by the way his, you know, body was moving. It was a, it was a laugh mm-hmm. um, for a gorilla. But furthermore, how would you look if you were sitting on your couch watching TV and someone looked at you through a window? Would you have your RBF on? Would you just kind of be sitting there like zoned out, or would you look super animated and thrilled? And they're like, oh. I never thought about it that way before. <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of trying to reframe a lot of those things of, we get that a lot with the gorillas, but anytime I do, I, I love, I love, love, love talking to people that are anti-zoo because um, as it is with anything in life, giving them the ability to ask those questions and get the right answers is how people like you and I ultimately make that difference and help show them you know, our side of things and letting them answer, letting them ask those questions. God, can you answer some of my comments, please? That would be amazing. I <laughs> Seriously, but I've had people like look at Chompers, for instance, and it's so funny. She's, <laughs> mind you, we have like 13 windows in this thousand foot facility that we built for her. And I'm sorry, I'm like talking about my alligators, but I feel like you'd understand because you're like in the same you know, you work with exotics and you get the people like this, but she's like literally basking in the sun under a palm tree on a sandy beach. And like, we'll have, Oh, you're fine. And people will be like, Oh, that looks so sad. Like how, like what? If I was on a beach right now in a palm tree or someone's like, Oh, she just needs more light. We have 13 windows. <laughs> like what? It's just like, how? Like, Anyway, it just blows my mind how some people are. And then you want to go back and it's like, how are you an expert? Like, what are you comparing this to? That's another thing. You have just unqualified people giving their opinions. And I I don't know about you, but I mean, Africa is not a really happy place right now. It's not like we have this. It's just I think people in their mind think that we have this utopia of the wild. And it's unfortunately not the case. Exactly. And that's the thing, too, that, you know. I like to always bring up, um, which I'm sure you do too, is A, this alligator is stress-free, threat-free, basking in the sun. A gator in, let's say, the Everglades of Florida, they have to worry about where they bask because honestly, especially with tourism, and there's, you know, I, I fully believe that there's a healthy level of tourism because you need to earn that appreciation and respect mm-hmm. for the animals in their natural environment. But you know, I've been to the Everglades before where people are poking alligators that are basking in the sun. You know, if you're at the beach tanning, do you want people poking <laughs> your legs and your feet? No, absolutely not. Also, it's a stupid idea to do that with an alligator, but I digress. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, with Africa, I went, I was able to, actually my last international trip before uh, the world went into pandemic was I spent three weeks in Africa and it was amazing. But at the end of the day, seeing the reality firsthand of all these animals in Africa. First of all, the biggest misconception I think a lot of people have about Africa is that all these animals run free. They don't. Yes. They're still managed. Where did you they go, by the way? I, uh, so my main chunk of time was South Africa. Okay. Um, I went to Northern Africa a little bit too, cool. but all the stuff was South Africa. Okay. But as I'm sure you know, most of the animals there have to live on a game preserve where they're managed. So maybe a little different than the zoos that they see in America or Europe or wherever they're from, but they're still managed. It's not like they manage themselves and they're free because if they were, they would be, you know, running into cities or they would be hurting farmers and the farmers would be shooting them, which still happens. You know, it's on top of all the other stuff that they have to worry about. So it's, that's a whole nother story. I'm going to, I'm going to open a can of worms there with that one too, but yeah, I, I, yeah. And I, uh, yeah, it, it's not the beautiful wild and it's just, 
and you know, and people anti zoo and stuff. I mean, I know that last, so I've, I've worked with cheetahs and uh, you know, I've brought ambassadors on the today show and stuff, which is amazing with my friends from the turtleback zoo. But when I was doing their talking points, there were less than 7,000 left in the wild. And I'm sure that has just decreased. What is, do you know the stat now? It's like, it probably is less than that now. It's actually around 7,000. Oh, it's still okay. Which is not, I feel like people think Africa and all the animals run free and there's all these cats and it's really not the case. No. And even that, especially with cheetahs, you know, 7,000 is a hard number to maintain through proper breeding programs, Mm -hmm. but the cheetah population, because before we were able to dip below and back up to that 7,000 number is so genetically inbred because Mm -hmm. of all of the, you know, ways that we've destructed their land use and everything like that. And so, yeah, we have 7,000 cheetahs, but a, that's a small number, and B, we still have some work to do with those cheetahs to make sure they're viable for uh, or, um, generations to come. Yeah, I yeah. So back on to working with marine mammals and stuff. So you went in there right with blackfish and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't any sense of like, man, these giant, you know, killer. Did you work with killer whales? I did not, but I have, I have many friends that have, and I've been in a lot of backstage areas with different orcas and I've uh-huh. seen a lot of things firsthand in a good way. So, okay. So did you, so you never thought at one point like, man, these animals really should be in the wild or released into like a bigger habitat. You know, no. And I, I think it's something that it depends how you look at it. So, I mean, yes. Would it be great if, you know, every facility could give all of their marine mammals three, four five times the space? Well, yeah. That would be nice, but I don't think that their welfare depends on it because, you know, someone can live in a 1,000, 2,000 or 5,000 square foot house. And is the size of the house what really makes or breaks your day? Or is it the interactions and the stimulation mentally and physically that does? And so in my opinion, I think and I know the orcas are well taken care of because I've seen it firsthand and Mm -hmm. I've been a part of multiple um, interactions where no food is involved and you know i'll walk up to the the pool side or the glass area with some of their trainers and the orcas come over and just hang out they interact they mm-hmm. you know watch us do goofy things have playful interactions mm-hmm. and there's no food involved and so at that point you're taking away the concept that these animals only work for food because first of all you're not going to make an orca do anything they don't want you're not going to make any animal do anything they don't want to do let alone a 18,000 pound orca but b they wouldn't be seeking out those interactions with trainers if it weren't for the positive history that they have and i'm not sure if you know um megan mckellar or not but she's do you know that name i i it maybe sounds familiar so she is um she actually just got some things published and i know SeaWorld's been putting them out and a lot of other um behavior facilities have been putting them out where she was actually able to prove through, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget, ABA, behavioral analysis, she was able to actually um, prove that the animals worked better for keeper attention than for food because of that strong bond that they built with their trainers. And so it's a really cool study to look into. And I know she's done a lot of different podcasts and videos and things about it because it proves everything that we've known for all along. These animals are thriving and doing really well. Um, and this isn't a food deprivation, food-based learning. It's, it's none of that. It's, 
you know, if you're going to have lunch with your best, or if you're going to see your best friend, you're excited to see your best friend no matter what. If there's a pizza that you guys get to share during that interaction, that's icing on the cake, but that's not why you're with that person. So, um, no, I don't, I don't think that the animals are doing anything less than thriving. Um, and I, I, I know that the behavioral programs put in place to take care of them are top notch. Yeah. And I also want to say, you know, going to SeaWorld as a kid, I grew up in Idaho, a landlocked little state. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> It was my first connection to, and I just like you, I had the option to go to one of the theme parks in Florida. I remember it, or it was either like Universal, Disney World, SeaWorld, and I, of course, picked SeaWorld. I wanted to, I was yeah. into animals, and that was my first interaction with uh, marine life. And mm-hmm. I mean, truly, it was inspiring, and it was just to see. I, I mean, I mean, truly, and I think that they've just inspired millions of people. And I think facilities are evolving. I think we all are. Zoos aren't what they were 20, 30 years ago, um, even 10 years ago. And so, yeah, I think, yeah. And I also feel like, and try not, no pun intended, but there's bigger fish to fry too. Um, True though, regard, I mean, seriously, regarding what is going on with uh, global warming, plastic pollution, overfishing, like, I feel like to have people online, I rate... I feel like there's only like, they're like what, 40 or 60 captive orcas. Like, I feel like there's not that many. No, they're barking up the wrong tree. Can I tell you two stories? Yeah, please. So the first one, well, first of all, to mirror your point, there is nothing like sitting in Shamu Stadium and having water touch you that just got flung at you. It's really cool. cool is that? I know, yeah. And so I actually, a handful of years ago, was fortunate enough to um, travel up to the Vancouver area. Oh, cool. And I was able to go on a few different orca watching uh, expeditions. And it, I mean, that's amazing in itself. It's amazing in another way. I didn't get water splashed on me by an orca, but at the same time, seeing them in that natural environment was amazing. But A, I saw collapsed dorsal fins. So if we want to go back to the blackfish argument that that's a sign of depression, which it's made out of cartilage, the same stuff as your earlobe. So, you know, bend your earlobe in half. Are you depressed now? Probably not. So it's the same way that work is feeling. But A, you see the dorsal fin collapse in the wild, which is one of the biggest anti-zoo arguments. And B, the several boat tours I went on were not unfortunately respectful of the orca's space so they'd see the orcas and chase after them and the orcas would respond by tail slapping the water which if you know marine mammal behavior is their way of saying get out get out of here we don't want you here and so that's not something that you commonly see off you know off presentation at a managed care facility that houses orcas because the orcas are interacting with each other and their trainers and their environmental enrichment devices. They don't have to worry about saying, boats, get out of my way. And so when you go back to that overall welfare, what's the better way for people to connect with orcas? Is it chase after them in a boat and frustrate them? Or is it to showcase that amazing relationship that people have with the trainers? And so, or the orcas have with the trainers. And so seeing that firsthand, it was kind of one of those things that while I cherish the experience, I felt worse on a boat in Vancouver watching them than I did at SeaWorld because those orcas didn't want us there in Vancouver. The SeaWorld orcas are like, great humans. These people are fun. Let's have them around, you know? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, yeah. That, sorry, oh, no, I just, yeah, it's, I uh, just got done watching. Um, have you seen uh, Sea Cons- or Sea Conspiracy on Netflix? 
Oh, not yet. I've heard that I, I've heard I need to watch it, but I also don't need to watch it. <laughs> so well, I've heard a lot about it. Well, I'm doing a roundtable podcast discussion with Chris and Angie from the All Creatures podcast, and uh, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the film and. Uh, at the end, there's this scene where uh, they film a bunch of people in, I think it's Iceland, um, uh, whaling and butchering a whole pod of pilot whales. Yep. And it was so hard to watch. I'm like sitting there. It's like with my mouth over my like, I'm just like, and I'm horrified they're killing, they butchered a, they're killing a pregnant whale. I, like the whales are screaming. There's blood everywhere. I'm like, it's midnight. And I'm like wanting to text Chris and Angie. Like I'm so irate right now. I'm like so fired up about this podcast, but it's like people who are anti sea world or anti zoos. It's like, look at, look at what's, what? Like, look what's going on. And it's like, I just, I feel like there's bigger things that maybe they can focus on. And I don't know. That that was horrific. Like, I can't even... I cannot take those images out of my mind. I feel like you should watch it. They do a good job at... I, I don't know. I, I just... It, it's interesting. It'll change your mind about the whole seafood industry, but the whaling, and it's just... But I feel like there's a lot of other things people could spend their time on than uh, complaining about the very few captive marine, you know, orcas we have in, in, in facilities. And there are some facilities yeah. that do a horrible job. Like, there's... Yeah. I, I, there are bad facilities. I get it. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to say that it was just horrific. Yeah, no, and to kind of piggyback off of that, you know, I haven't eaten seafood in six years, seven years now because working in strandings and, you know, this is something that's not talked about that often, but mm. obviously I never saw whales be butchered. Thank God, because oh I don't God. think I could recover from it. But there was one turtle that, you know, I had seen so much at this point. This was the third facility that I worked at in Stranding. So I was used to death. I was used to, you know, a lot of seeing a lot of things from the fishing industry that just decimated populations, whether it was, you know, line, gear, crab pots, um, boat strikes. You know, I've seen, I'd seen it all at this point. But the time that it was one of those things where I was like, I've had enough. And it almost gives me PTSD. Like I, I literally to this day, if someone would put a plate of fish in front of me, I would get sick to my stomach and feel guilty for it. And I don't want that on everybody because that's, that's hard to live with. But sorry. You're, oh, don't. You're fine. No, you're fine. Neighbors eating an Amazon package right now. I, <laughs> I, you need to watch Sea Conspiracy because it's about the fishing industry and how no one ever talks about overfishing and everyone's like, Stop using plastic straws, this and that. That's great. But actually, the huge problem is a lot of the garbage in the Pacific Garbage Patch is of nets and fishing line. And exactly. it's more than plastic. So it's it's very interesting. And I don't eat seafood. So I was kind of like, oh, good. Like, I'm fine. But I mean, I it it just and there's no such thing you'll learn in this documentary as sustainable seafood. And that whole dolphin safe thing is a complete crock of crap. Yeah. And it's not, you know, and it's one of those things that so many times we walk in with the best intentions into a situation because there's a lot of people that have challenged me throughout the years. Well, well, I catch my own sea fish or uh, seafood. I, I catch my own fish or it's all small scale. I'm like, okay, but that's still a part of the problem. So one time we got this call for this turtle, right? Uh-huh. And uh, four of us went out there to get this turtle because it was floating, um, presumably deceased. And so we went out to get it, and it was floating. So turtle, turtles are like little pressure cookers, so when they pass, their insides bloat, and they float to the top. 
So we kind of assumed it was a big, it was a big loggerhead and we figured between the four of us, we could pull it on board on board. Cause typically a turtle of that size would have been at least 250 pounds or so, but 250 pounds for a turtle Corbin. I mean, that's a full size adult, but you know, you have to think turtles are like dinosaurs. That turtle could have lived minimum 80 years really cool thing about turtles. We actually don't know how long they can live because their bone, the rings that you um, count to see how old they are, their bone actually starts reabsorbing those rings out about <laughs> 70, 80 years. So theoretically we could have like 200 year turtles, right? But anyway, so I digress. So we, pull, we try to pull this turtle out and there's four of us. We're used to hauling turtles around, you know, there should be no problem. Let's get it out. And the four of us almost like fall over the boat because this turtle is so heavy. And we're like, that's weird. So two of us get out and we're like, well, let's tow it over to a shallower area. It won't tow and we can't figure this out. So anyways, we, two of us get in the water, two of us stay on the boat and we end up having to cut off one of the gear things on the turtle. Now, technically you're not supposed to do that initially in the water because you want to retrieve all that gear so you can document it. This turtle I think had, I want to say it was 70 some odd pounds of fishing gear attached to it. And it died from asphyxiation because it couldn't breathe. And so we, like, when we necropsied it, you could actually physically see that the way that the bubbles had formed down it, it, it died of drowning. I'm sorry, not, not, asphyxi not asphyxiation. I'm sorry, it died of drowning. And um, when we took off all that gear, it was one rope that got entangled around the front of that turtle's flipper that continued to collect stuff and collect stuff. So initially the turtle was swimming, one rope got caught on the flipper and collected almost 80 pounds of garbage that made it such that turtle could not move to take a breath. And that's when I was like, I'm done. I, I can't do it anymore because going off of what you were saying, it's commercial fishing is horrendous. But at the end of the day, there's so much more that, you know, that was in an intercoastal waterway and almost every piece of trash on that turtle was single use fishing. It wasn't, you know, anything <sighs> like that. So it was, it's hard. And it, um, yeah, like you said, there's bigger fish to fry. There's, you know, 40 orcas or whatever it is that are thriving at aquariums around the world and they're doing great, but the ones in nature are not doing great. Um, I don't know if you follow like the J pod and stuff up on Pacific Northwest area, but for a while they were all starving and they couldn't have viable calves because we were overfishing the salmon in that area and all these, I mean, it's just, there's so many things that are interconnected and, uh, yeah, it's gut wrenching. It really it's is. It's, uh, Oh man, man. Okay. Well, listen, I taken too much of your time and I literally <laughs> have to go feed the alligator. So Rachel, thank you so much yes. for coming on the show. I truly enjoyed this conversation. And if I ever, when I come to Florida, I would love, do you think I could get a behind the scenes tour of the great apes? <laughs> We will, we'll set something up for you. What do you think? Well, it's hard though. I know with like the pandemic. So minus the pandemic, yeah. do you think, I know it's hard. Zoos are very like, ah, if you, <laughs> yeah. if you come to Florida, is this off air? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Well actually, yeah. I mean, do you want me to, <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll say goodbye to everybody. Thank you patrons for listening. <laughs> okay. We're off. We're off. Hold on. Let me, let me turn it off. I just, okay. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. 
Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.